the sexual drive and everything else that we have that's not the main thing and obviously that's something that brings us big spark in the beginning what's but what's there beyond that re-evaluating your life and who you are very much so to figure out like okay is this really who i am or am i just like doing things because other people expect me to do those things you know are my values and my actions actually aligned getting 80 million people to become meditators yeah. is like you have this one percent of the world the collective to actually raise the vibration of the world yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Monty Hook, and today I interview Sasha Hart, an entrepreneur based here in Bali, co-founder of Yogi Lab, founder of Deepwood Furniture, and a confidence and relationship coach to women. We went deep down the rabbit hole on building a business with heart, creating successful relationships, and how to develop authenticity and real confidence. There is a lot of wisdom in this one, folks. Stay tuned. You are going to love this episode with Sasha Hart. Guys, head on over to www.montyhook.com and get free access to my ebook, The Exponential Entrepreneur. Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. This is a concept I've been obsessing over for the past five years, how to scale your business and actually take on more projects all whilst working less and living a life you love. I'm now very fortunate to have multiple businesses that all run without me and I spend my days sharpening the axe. That's doing things that I love, like surfing, working on my spiritual practice and health, learning and doing podcasts. So if you are an entrepreneur and you are interested in the strategies required to scale your business, but with you actually working less and most importantly, cultivating a life of spiritual abundance and freedom, then head on over to www.montyhook.com and get free access to the ebook now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back down the rabbit hole. My name is Monty Hook and I'm here in the studio in Bali. And today I'm joined by Mr. Sasha Hart. Thank you for coming in, brother. Um, I've interviewed all of your uh, all of your colleagues, your comrades, all of your friends, and uh, finally you're here in the hot seat. Thank you for coming in, man. Thank you for having me. I'm super, super excited and thanks for inviting. Awesome, man. So just a little bit about you so people know who you are. Um, you are co-founder of Yogi Lab. Yes. And many people who watch this show or listen to uh, The Rabbit Hole would know that name um, and know your colleagues in that. So you're a co-founder there. Um, one of your new thing programs that you're re releasing soon is called Spiritual Hustler. So, Spiritual Hustlers Club, yeah. Yeah, so we'll talk about that yeah. probably. But um, you're also an entrepreneur. You're f uh, founding a new furniture company, Deepwood Furniture. We can talk about that because... I think what's cool about that is you've got a, uh, a a real deep story around how that came to be, um, and I think there's some some cool wisdom in that. Um, and also, you're a relationship and confidence coach with women, especially, right? Well, women exclusively, mainly, yeah. yeah. Like so far, it is. You know, I'm not attached to it, but yeah. like it just 
what happened is I'm basically only. So how did such a gorgeous specimen of a man become a coach for women? They come to me and ask us like, Hey, can you help me? (laughs) (laughs) No, actually it's, it's, um, it's an interesting story. And I I mentioned this before in in other podcasts, like I was rejecting this path for quite some Uh time. Um, because what happened is I'm just like being me sitting in a restaurant or whatever. And like random women that I've never talked to before even come to me and just tell me everything about them. And I'm like, okay, I'm listening, you know, active listening, all those kind of things. I'm like, okay. And then I ask like, why do you tell me all this? Like you tell me your deepest, darkest, intimate insecurities and issues with your partners and relationships and whatnot. And there's like, I don't know. I just want to open up to you and tell you everything about me. Complete strangers. Complete strangers. Yeah. I've never even talked to them for one minute before. Yeah. You know, you know what's interesting is I, I relate to that because I've, I've had similar experiences in my life and I, it actually, I, I, it took me a long time to figure out what it was. My, I've got a lot of, uh, close female friends and they would tell me everything like tell me stuff you're not supposed to tell me and i always wondered like why is this why does this keep happening um and i had this experience in my 20s i used to be a dj and basically this one year period it would have happened 20 times in a year i kept meeting these women with you know romantic interests but it never kind of led to anything and they would just tell me everything like on a Saturday night or a Friday night. And it was almost like I was helping them work through something or they just needed a voice. They, yeah. they needed, they needed to voice themselves. And somehow I was, I was that for them. So I, I, I completely relate, but I've never gone down the path of coaching. So why, do, so. why do you think they open up to you and tell you everything that they were not supposed to tell you? So, okay. <laughs> Rabbit hole time. What I was, Okay. I did, uh, you're probably already aware, I've done a lot of, you know, plant medicine ceremonies and stuff. When I was in Peru, I did ayahuasca in the jungle. And um, basically, I had a conversation, a two-hour conversation with a bear, right? And what the bear told me, the bear is the carrier of medicine, right, in terms of like spirit animals. This is what the bear told me. I didn't know anything about the bear. I thought my spirit animal was a wolf. And then the bear turns up and I'm speaking to this bear. And this is going to sound super fucking weird for people. Anyway, two-hour conversation with the bear. And the bear explained to me why that is, why that keeps happening. And basically, he said, the, the bear is the carrier of medicine and you're a healer in, in, in some regard. Um, you don't have to be a healer like, you know, like a physical touching people doing Reiki or, you know, not that kind of healer. But just your presence, you, you, ha- you have that within you. And I've, I get a lot of comments from people that I'm very like grounded. And I think that that's part of it. Like whatever it is that women can sense, they gravitate towards that there's a, some real comfort in the groundedness. And there's just an automatic trust. And the trust is legit. Like I would never like do anything with it. I would never take it. Whatever you tell me is sacred and it's safe. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I agree. I think you, you, so you, you spoke to a bear as well. I didn't speak to a bear. I mean, I do right now. <laughs> um, I think you touch point touch base on one big thing, which is presence, right? Yeah. If you're like fully present with someone, like they feel safe, mm. they feel heard, they feel seen, they feel like they can open up. And I think that's like such a big thing to work with people or just like having that presence with someone mm. just gives them that security is like, okay, I can actually let my guards down. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So 
it, in in that regard, so you're 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 doing you know ongoing coaching with women. Now, I, I have to assume that the the foundation, the basis of a lot of that conversation or what they're seeking, is because of relationships. Is is that the case, or what are they what what are they missing, or what are they what are they expressing to you when they when they share? It's mainly two things because almost all of my clients they are entrepreneurs. They have their own businesses, um, so often they come to me either because they have relationship issues or they can't find a man or they're too much mm -hmm. into their masculine, you know, they're just, they think they have too high standards or like, you know, they're just, they don't have the clarity what kind of man do they actually want yeah. or they're attracting the wrong man, which means like they're not really clear about their non-negotiables, their red flags. And then like, they're just going back and repeating the same patterns. Yeah. And the other thing is like, they just want to level up their business, mm. you know, make more money, less work, less time involved, have better systems. Because women, they they tend to do a lot of things at the same time and they're very creative. And they have a lot of things that we can learn from as men too. Yep. But then like the, the typical very masculine structure systems, like, you know, that's missing a little bit. Mm. Um, so then those are, I think, the, the two main things. Question, do you think that those two things are related? Do you think that 100%. business success, um, is directly related to how people, how women, um, and you can answer this, is it the same for men and women? But yeah, are those things inherently weaved together? Yeah, I think so. But there are many different outcomes. So for example, often when women come to me with like relationship issues, we end up working a lot on their business. Yeah. You know, and that is because <clears throat> they're, they're a little bit like one, they want to step away from this relationship thing that they really want to address because mm. it's uncomfortable. So it's like, no, let's work, focus on the business. But then at the same time, because there's a little bit more chaos in their personal life, it's translating into the business. Yeah. So sometimes I have to clean up the business first yeah. to then like have more time and space and mental capacity to really go so to what they're dealing with in their relationships shows up in their business, like this seeds. So you get the opportunity to shine a light on what's happening personally, because you can, you can see what's happening through the business. Yeah. And I think that's one of the big things as a coach in general, yeah. you just like, you have this outside perspective, this bird's eye view, and, and all you have to do is just give them the opportunity to really shine the light, as you just said, mm. and tell them like, this is what I see, this is what's going on. And the way how I, as a man communicate is obviously very different than a woman. Yeah. And usually we tend to go to the same gender, to the same sex in order to ask for help. Yeah. Um, for me, for example, it's the other way around. If I have issues, if I have some problems, something that I need to figure out, I always consult a woman as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm because I want to look at same. this thing from all angles. Yeah. 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 I'm the same. But I think that that could just be because I have an affinity already with having deep conversations more so with women than men. I mean, we're pretty lucky here in Bali, you know, there's some deep people here that we get to, you know, have um, safe conversations with, you know, there seems yeah. to be a good community here of like-minded people. So um, one thing I'm curious about with you is you're, you're doing many different things um, and you're launching a, a furniture company. So tell us about how that evolved and what I'm curious to understand from you is, because a lot of people, when they're building businesses and, and, and entrepreneurs, they're told that, no, you got to focus on one thing, right? You got to do this and 
just focus on that, make that successful, and then you can move to the next thing. What's your take on that? Because I have multiple businesses, you have multiple businesses. How then, what's your philosophy on entrepreneurs coming up and doing multiple things? Yeah. Two-part question. Yeah. I'll answer the second part first. Sure. <clears throat> I think for me personally, the the I'm still focusing just on one thing at a time. Yeah. You know, it's like really being very structured and very compartmentalizing my day and my week and my months, basically. And making sure like, okay, now for the next four hours or whatever, like my time block is, I'm just focusing on this one company, on this one thing. And then I move on to the next one. Instead of trying to do this multitasking and doing all at the same time, yeah. <clears throat> we all know that's that doesn't really work. Yeah. But then at the same time, if you focus on one thing and the things that you learned here, you can also apply on the other thing. So why wait until like, and what does it mean a business is successful? You know, when do you actually start doing something else? If there's a desire, if there's passion, if there's like an opportunity, why would you push this away? Mm. You know, so I feel like doing one thing at a time, 100%, I agree, but that doesn't mean like I can do only one thing at all, you know? Yeah. And the furniture company, the, the big story behind it is, is actually a really sad one at the same time. Because <clears throat> I started this company with my dad. The idea came about like two years ago. Um, and then almost a year ago now, my dad passed away due to a stroke, like from one second to another. Healthy man, 57 years old, no alcohol, like, you know, athletic, just gone. Um, and I was still here in Bali trying to go back to Berlin uh, on time, couldn't make it. <clears throat> this was during, this was after lockdowns. This is after lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. It was last year in August. Wow. Yeah. Uh, like two weeks before his birthday. And, and then obviously like the whole idea, the whole company, the, the idea of us like building this family business was just like on pause, mm. you know, and then I, took care of my mom. I went back to Berlin for a little while, really was there like to help her to transition to this new life. Cause for me here, it was a little bit easier because I already have my own life. I live somewhere else. I don't have a daily routine with him, you know, for her, that's like her whole life changed mm. completely. So I wanted to make sure she's kind of okay. Um, and I'm very proud, like how she handles this whole thing. But then, it was actually my mom who brought it up again. It's like, I think we should still do it. Mm. You know, I was like, yes, I think you're right. Because now continuing with this company, Deep Wood, which I'll tell you a little bit about what that actually is in a second. For me, it's like continuing to live his legacy through this company, through those products. Mm. Um, and that's why now it's way more like a heartfelt, passionate, business yep. than just a business yeah you know there's so much more intention and meaning and purpose behind it yeah and that's why i wanted to ask you because i i feel like most of the best businesses are the ones that have that heart in it pardon the pun like that have that <laughs> uh that deep intention behind it like have a real story behind it you know because we live in a world now where anybody can start a Amazon business and, you know, they're being told they can become a millionaire in seven months and three days or whatever it were, you know, whatever it is, people are being sold, but they're not necessarily sustainable. And it's, it's as soon as you stop working, it, it's gone. The best businesses in, in the world are the, the, the ones that make an impact. You can, you can feel that in the brand. You can feel that in the business. You can feel that in the way that the, the people show up. 
you know, that resonates. Yeah. So it's uh, I, I like these stories. I don't like the sad sad part of it, but um, yeah, having that that heart in a business. So however people can can find that, um, I think it's it's a it's a powerful asset in a brand. Yeah. yeah. So tell us about the business. So the business is I'm working with a material which is called petrified wood. Yep. So they're the ones that that float up on the beach. Oh, and they're the ones no. that float. The um, they don't float. Okay. No, it's basically it's stone wood. Ah, yeah. So okay, got it. it's wood that through the process of mineraliz mineralization, like all the organic material turned into stone. It's like fossilized wood. It's fossilized right. wood. Got it. So when you when you you know touch a piece of um, like a table, for example, and it's like it's marble-ish, really elegant, mm. like shiny, heavy, super super heavy. Yeah. A dining table is like three hundred kg. Well. And the material is like 25 million years old. Wow. You know, so the, the energy, the history that's stored inside, you can feel it if you touch it. Mm. Like I have, I have small pieces in my house. And when I have friends coming over, especially women, they, they take it and they just touch it the whole time. They just have it on their womb the, the whole time. They don't want to let go of it. Mm. Um, so you can feel like it's, it's a very powerful material and being able to, to have like a piece of furniture or a piece of art in your living room that's like a fossil. It's like 25 million years old and you can touch it. It's like extremely powerful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that's that's amazing. That's yeah. that's very cool. So you're going to be exporting it back to back to Europe? My main market will be China and the US. Okay. Um, I'll obviously will explore Dubai, you know, the Emirates and um, any anywhere where people that appreciate their material and obviously have the financial capabilities to, to um, finance that because yeah. it's upper lux. It's, ex it's, it's super old. It's very expensive, yeah. you know? So obviously it's, it's not a mass product yeah. and I want it to be a mass product. There's so much more, so much more um, passion mm. and like story behind it that I don't, it's, it's every piece is one of a kind, mm. you know? There's a no piece is like another. Maybe we like can get a difference. maybe we get a, a showcase piece in in lighthouse, so we can, we can talk about so that. we can shine a light on. Yeah. The, <laughs> that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Um, you were so you're uh, you got a family. You're uh, got a three year old. You were saying, yeah. and I was asking you before the podcast. I hope you don't mind me saying, but I was one of the things. It's called the rabbit hole. I talk a lot about you know things that are happening in the world and the pandemic and lockdowns and vaccines and all this kind of stuff. And I always ask the guests before the show, you know how you know how willing are you to talk about? It? And a lot of people say, yeah, I'm willing to talk about anything. And you said, I'd rather avoid that. <laughs> but then we ended up talking about you know your families in Australia and you had they haven't been able to to get out of Australia, so. Then I could, or I could also sense that you're kind of like passionate about that as well. So it seems like what's happening in the world is affecting everybody, especially people like yourself who, you know, you you, you can't see, you can't even see your family. Yeah. So do you want to just comment on on that quickly? Um, you know, we were talking about Australia. I'm from Australia, and you know, I'm I'm grateful for having been brought up in Australia compared to other places in the world. But I, I think people get lost in. Um, or become naive about what's actually going on there. So, yeah. Yeah. The main reason why I like to avoid those topics in general is 
because I stopped watching news eight, nine, ten years ago. Yeah. Because what I realized is more or less everything that we receive through media, through TV, through like newspapers and whatnot, it's all fabricated, you know? So I just realized, why do I want to watch, read, or listen to something that I already know it's not the truth, mm -hmm. you know? And yes, of course, there's like partially a little bit of truth in there, but overall it's like we're getting programmed and conditioned in a way like what serves someone else, not like to present us really what's going on. Mm -hmm. So then like me living in my own little universe and like being more present with the stuff that's going on in my world, just in my opinion is way more healthy than like worrying about all the things that I don't have any control over anyway. Mm. And then the Australian thing is pretty big because like, yes, my, my little one, he's in Australia and we had to like give them document to the government documents and like ask for permissions and get exemptions and all kind of stuff for them to even be able to leave the country which is crazy. When I told my mom about it, she was like, that's like back in, you know, East of Germany, living in communism where we were not able to do anything without asking the government. I was like, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And people are like happy about it because they feel like they're free. They don't have to wear masks, like in some areas of Australia, but they give them everything that they possibly can. It's like, okay, yeah, please do anything that you want with me. As long as I feel like you take care of me. Yeah. I was like, how is someone taking care of you if they tell you exactly what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do? I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Full brainwash. Yeah. <laughs> but, and what I'm hearing in that, you know, the fact that you've removed yourself from, from any media, et cetera, is uh, a lot of people would comment on that and say, okay, well, you know, you're, you're delusional. You're, you know, removed from reality. And it's selfish not to to live in your own world and not care about what's happening in the world, right? Comment on that because, I mean, I have my own thoughts about that and my own thoughts are, you know, we, we can't serve the greater good. We can't serve hu humanity unless we're, you know, protective of ourselves and we look after ourselves. Um, that's the, the first thing. But I also think the when enough of the collective do that, well, then that's how we actually change humanity and we actually evolve as a species. Yeah. What's your take on that? Let me explain that with an example that obviously we had in Berlin, because like the country was divided and the city was like basically East and West, right? With the wall. And what happened after the war came down and the country was reunited, this only happened because all the people together went on the streets and protested. Mm -hmm. Right now, that's not really happening. We're listening to the people that are controlling us. And they tell us what to do and what not to do. And we're just following. So me removing myself a little bit more from, from that field actually allows me more to, to make an impact mm. and like help people to wake up. And it's like, no, there's something else. You don't have to, to trust everything that you hear from somewhere else. Like make your own, make your own, um, research, mm. you know, that doesn't mean like I'm not researching at all it doesn't mean like no like there's no newspaper there's no tv no no i mean obviously i don't watch any tv but like you know it's not like no this is evil but just be a little bit more conscious about like what are you actually listening and watching yeah i think a lot of people would also nobody on this planet i think would ever believe that they've been brainwashed right yeah. if you're watching news if you're watching the media if you're buying into any at the end of the day, like you said, it's all, you know, it's it's all fabricated and most of it has an agenda. 
And, but nobody would want to think, anybody who watches the news is not going to think, oh, no, no, I've been, I've been brainwashed, <laughs> right? Nobody's ever going to say that or, or, or think True. that. So how, how can people actually realize, well, where's the line in the sand? Is it possible to consume news and consume information and be able to separate yourself from the brainwashing? Or do you just think as long as you're taking in information, like there's going to be some rewiring of the brain, which is my thought. But yeah. I think if you want to do a proper research, then do a proper research. Don't just listen to all the mainstream media channels that are out there. Like find some valid resources outside of this. And they will probably give you very different answers to the same topic. Mm. And instead of just like, no, this is right. Everything else is wrong. Like that's the first shift that needs to happen. Because if, if I just believe that one source, then obviously I'm brainwashed. Yeah. Like I'm super biased. You know, there's nothing else that I would actually even potentially allow to be reality. Yeah. But that. And then once you find some other resources, then like, okay, you can actually dig a little bit deeper and go down this rabbit hole and like figure out like, okay, what is actually right and what's wrong here? Mm. And then make up your own mind. I think it was the New York Times um, who did an article a few years ago who basically said, um, don't do any research, just listen to us. <laughs> so like the main, you know, the, the main media basically tell you, they want to tell you, you don't need to do any research. Just listen to exactly what we tell you what's right. Well, and that's what Facebook is doing with their, of course. with their fact checkers. And they get their fact checking from the New York Times and some other sources who have those agendas in place. Yeah. So people don't really have the opportunity to even consume something which is from a different perspective because the way that media digitally is fed to us is fed to us with algorithms that – uh, exactly like what we've been consuming. It doesn't show us anything from the other side, first of all. So the only thing our eyes are seeing is that which just feeds that existing bias, yeah. first of all. Yeah. And then also so many things are, are censored. So I, I agree. I think the only way you can you know, restart is basically by removing yourself. But I think the, the, the biggest red flag – for me in you know in in this conversation is the fact that there are so many things being censored and people know that things are being censored like that should that should be enough to for people to to ask the question well why is that being censored why mm -hmm. like you know we we want to censor anything that's anti-vax because you know, it's uh, we think that it's it's bad information, it's misinformation. Well, who gets to decide that? Like, are we all fucking children? Like, <laughs> you know, like treat everybody like adults. Give everybody the information. And I'm I'm for anybody who chooses the vaccine. I'm a hundred percent for it. If you've done the research and you know what you're getting yourself into, and you make a choice, yeah. you make a conscious choice. Great. I'm happy for you. That's awesome. And we're all old enough. You know, we can make our own decisions. Yeah. Like, um, <clears throat> I'm, 
I, I, I agree. If someone says like, I want the vaccine and they've done their research or they've not done their research, like that's totally up to their opinion, like whatever they want to do, that's their choice. Mm. But don't then get mad at other people who decide like, no, I don't want to have the vaccine. You know, mm. that's just, uh, to me, it's basically what they do is they're creating this big discrepancy between the two vaccine and anti-vaccine so everyone is just like fighting against each other instead of looking as like no what's happening here like what is actually presented and what what are they doing they what they did is basically they say like vaccine anti-vaccine so they're fighting and no one really looks at like what's the bigger picture about and and they're instigating the friction they're instigating the throwing everybody throwing stones at and that takes all the light away from from the instigator yeah (laughs) but anyway we won't go too far down that (laughs) rabbit hole and you know talk about who's at the top pulling the strings but anyway thank you for being willing to go down the rabbit hole at least a little bit i'm happy that i got you to go down there to to some degree um one last question on that though what is the you know besides what you saw in australia and it might be that but what is the one thing that you've observed in the last year and a half that just really makes you shake your head? Like, just go, Oh my God, like, Oh my God, that's just, that's ridiculous. Okay. For me personally, it's, it's, um, the, the masks. Okay. Cause what it does is it takes away, like basically our voice is taken away. And we've seen this in history and culture, and maybe that's a little bit of a sensitive topic, but like, if you look at the Arabic countries and women, they have to wear hijabs and like, you know, their mouth has to be protected and all that kind of stuff. It's not from what I know, at least maybe, you know, it's, it's not written in the Quran that they have to do that. It's not like part of their religion that they have to do that. That's like basically man-made instigated in order to create a discrepancy and create like different um, levels of power between men and women. Mm. And now I see the same thing happening again with all of us, you know, yeah. people tell us you have to wear a mask. I can see your face. I can see your, I can see your beautiful smile. Like, you know, all that, it just creates so much disconnection with us being humans. And I think that's such a, such a difficult thing. And mm. I hope in, I, I had this conversation the other day with a friend, I hope in, in hundred years or whatever, people look back at it and it's like, how the hell could those people be so stupid to allow all that to happen? I think they will, for sure. Uh, and, and this is one thing I've said many times. We look back on history and we see in every generation there's some weird shit that's happened and we look back on that and go, oh, why, why, why? And we yeah. look at people who were you know, tyrants and dictators and how did we allow that to happen? But... We have to assume it's been happening in history forever. Mm-hmm. We have to assume it's happening right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's happening right now. Yeah. So we we have to kind of if we can understand that and get our head around that, for sure. In a hundred years time or fifty years time, we're going to look back on this time and it's going to be the most head shaking. Like you know, humans in a hundred years time are just going to be like, "What the fuck were you guys thinking?" Like idiots it's it's going to be hilarious i think it's going to be funny i hope so like really if we do. think of the aliens you know watching us right now they're like they just they're laughing they're like like do you believe in aliens <laughs> i do okay have you seen some uh no okay. i have not um i'm i'm okay i'm i'm on the i'm not on the fence i think it's i personally think it's naive to think that we are the only um intelligent life in 
the universe, the galaxy. Thank you. I 100% agree. 100%. However, if I really want to take this down a rabbit hole, right? Okay. Everything that we experience in this life, me touching this computer, me talking to you, is it's a manifestation of my consciousness. Like this thing is, it doesn't really exist, right? Quantum physics will say, you know, it's it's just all made up from our consciousness, right? So my question is, my 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 thought, the rabbit hole that I my mind goes to is, I think that there are certain things that become that that manifest into reality when enough of consciousness experiences it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I happen to think that that is going to happen more and more with UFOs, with aliens, etc. And then it's actually going to become like normal. <laughs> and that kind of begs the question, okay, well, was it always there? Of course it was always there. We just couldn't see it. We mm -hmm. couldn't experience it. There is something that is happening between what the collective – the collective of humanity can experience when enough people experience it. There's people in, you know, the history of time that have seen things that other humans can't see, or they can experience some things they can, you know, they tapped into certain powers that are seemingly, you know, like superpowers or abnormal. Yeah. I think all those things exist. I think they're just, that the, there's not enough of the collective experiencing it. I don't know if that makes any fucking sense, but I no, I think it does, and it's 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 a good transition actually for us um, with Yogi Lab because yeah. that's kind of we believe in superpowers. Mm. You know, we have experienced it ourselves in in different ways and you know levels and intensities, just like with meditation. Mm. You know, my the personal meditation retreats were always like extremely powerful, and getting 80 million people to become meditators yep. is like you have this 1% of the world, the collective to actually raise the vibration of the world. Yeah. So um, I interviewed Dave and I forget the, the term, what's the- Maharishi effect. The Maharishi effect, yeah. right. So that's where 1% of the population doing anything or focusing on any one thing can, can shift the collective consciousness. Um, it's- Or is that specifically to meditation? No, um, yes, it's specific to meditation. So if you get 1% of a specific area together yep. to meditate, that this specific area, the, the energy and vibration of that area will increase mm. and the, the life quality will increase and crime rates and, you know, all this negative impact that we see in the world is going to decrease. And, and that been, has been tested been all tested around the world. It's been tested on small scales, right? Not small scales, countries. Right. It, I can't remember which country, I think it was an African country. Um, they, this, the president like was a big meditator. Dave could answer this right now. Mm. Wish, I wish Dave would be here right now. Um, he, he was a big meditator. He's like, how can I get the whole world, the, the whole country behind to become meditators? So he made it part of the, everyone in the military, they needed to meditate. Mm. And then the, the G, GPO, is that what it's called? No, not the GPO. Um, fuck, I'm messing it up right now. <laughs> um, basically, the 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 quality of the economics uh, and life what you mean. Yeah, yeah, the, is um, of that country yeah. increased dramatically. The GDP? GDP, yep. yes. GPO, GDP. Yep. Um, increased dramatically. So it ha actually has been tested mm. in countries as well. Yeah. 
So we want to get 80 million meditators together because that's 1% of the world population. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the, the, the mission that we've been talking about in businesses. That's yes. the, the, the mission behind Yogi Lab, yes. yeah, which Correct. is a, a beautiful yeah. one. Yeah. And now one part of it is the spiritual hustles club. Yeah. Which is basically everything that we didn't learn in school, all the things that we wish we, we would have, like the tools, the techniques, like just being fully equipped to be the most yeah. capable human being. This is what we're going to teach. Yeah. So what are those things? Um, meditation, breath work. Like, I mean, it, it just, it continues to blow my mind the experiences that I have of breath work, right? Because yeah. I've done deep ceremonial plant medicine work in different parts of the world. Yeah. And to be able to go to similar places in terms of, you know, psychedelic experience and healing and through just breathing, yeah. like, like continues to blow my mind. Like it's just ridiculous. And the, it just, to me, shines a light on the hidden power that humans have the capabilities of that are just so hidden and suppressed. And and why are we not taught to just breathe properly? Like, like it's it just blows my mind. So it's obviously very important, the guys, the, what you guys are uh, teaching at Yogi Lab. And they are the most powerful tools because when it comes to entrepreneurship, and you know, that's a lot of our community and our world, and certainly my my audience, we look for the tactics, we look for the tools. We're like, what's the best copy for the website and the best marketing funnel hack and all this kind of stuff. It's like the best thing you can do is just be a high performer. You focus on your on your breathing and look after yourself and yeah. connect with nature, and th that is the is the thing that makes everything move. Yeah. And on top of it, it's like the way how we approach it is we break it down into very simple topics for each month. So even like productivity, how can you use meditation productivity? How can you use breath work? You know, mm. how can you like vision, communication skills? There's so many different things that we're going to integrate the, the wisdom of the past with like techniques and biohacking tools of the new age mm. and then bringing it together so we can actually become the most capable most powerful version of ourselves yeah so breath work meditation you will find that every month yeah it's like we it's more like a breakdown of vision mission mm. productivity efficiency communication yeah. like you know all those kind of areas weave together. that we weave together with yeah. those meditation skills and visualizations yeah. and everything else um, to so spiritual hustles is a, a online membership anybody from around correct. the world can access yes. online events yeah um all the by the end of this month yeah and then every month you'll get <coughs> six coaches yeah um and we all have different fields you know for me it's more business relationship Aaron is like the full reset yeah dave obviously meditation and business brian breathwork and then we all like basically and mikhail with like the movement and um we all bring it together yeah, obviously AJ. I can't forget AJ. Sorry, yeah. AJ. <laughs> AJ is the human performance human performance guy. Um, <laughs> human yeah. optimization. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a he's weapon. He's, he's a weapon. He's six foot seven. <laughs> well, I I was up at the uh, breathwork retreat at Istana. Istana is the the venue in Bali where you guys have a beautiful property over the cliff at Uluwatu, and um, I was just sitting there eating my lunch, and AJ is over the other side. And he's 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 doing his uh his his breathing just sitting there at the table, and I could tell he was getting in, in himself into a, a prime state, 
to go into a, a work a work stint, you know, yeah. like to get his productivity. And it's like, you know, this guy's got those things dialed in. But they're such simple things for us to learn, you know. So, yeah, no, it's very cool. I'd, so everybody check out Yogi Lab and Spiritual Hustlers. Yes, cool. Please. Um, <clears throat> let's go back to relationships, mm-hmm. if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Um, because what I like is your your insight uh, from the perspective of it's not just strategy, it's not just strategic, you know, it's not like just the science, it's you being like we were talking before as being the shoulder for, for, for women. So you're, you're getting this wisdom and experience through women talking to you and just sharing very openly. So that's a very different perspective to, you know, the psych, just the psychology side of things. So my question to you is what, um, what do you see is the pattern in women, which I assume is going to be the same for men that is missing from themselves that stops them from finding love or being able to give love or be in a, in a, in a lasting relationship. Okay. I think the, one of the most um, important things that I'm missing is one, a lot of clarity, mostly around like their red flags and then to communication, mm. you know, women love to communicate like in general, men, not so much. Yeah. We'd rather like keep our mouth shut. Mm-hmm. But the thing is they're not really voicing what's going on, especially in combination with like a man, mm. you know? So if something is not right, if something doesn't feel right, if like, you know, whatever kind of values are not um, aligned with them, they don't really speak up or if they do, then it's, it's not in a productive or in a efficient kind of way that the man actually can receive that as well. Yeah. You know, so the container of communication is just not set properly. Yeah. Here's a, we'll come back to more of the communication, but I'm just kind of reflecting on, I'm, I'm a single guy. Yeah. And one of the things that has always attracted me to women where there's chemistry mm-hmm. is where there's a strong polarity. Right. And in many relationships where there's been strong chemistry, there's also uh, maybe not effective communication because we've got the same communication styles. Right. So the same, it's, it's almost like the same thing that creates the spark, the friction is the same thing that stops us being able to communicate effectively. Mm. Then there's been situations where I've been with somebody who is opposite communication style and they've got the ability to like just keep me calm like i never get i, I don't get fired up okay right but it it lacks that edge in the chemistry right now do you think it's possible to have both of those things or is it just the case like everybody else tells me i'm i'm you know i'm just being fussy should i is it the case that where I've disregarded women who are probably really good for me and keep me calm and, and they've been really sweet and beautiful and they'd be amazing, been amazing partners, but it's lacked the fireballs. Should I have tried to find chemistry in that? Like how important is the chemistry? Or do you think it is actually possible to have that chemistry, the fire, and have that kind of balanced communication? 
let me answer with a question. Yes. Do you believe it is possible to have it all? I, I do believe it is possible. Okay, there's your answer. Yeah. You know, if someone says like, no, you can't have it I all. I just question and, myself because I'm 43, right? So. Yeah, but then like, what? ask yourself like, what's the type of relationship that you actually do want? Mm. Like, you know, for I, I have a little process, which is basically takes you through the red flags, mm -hmm. things that you don't want, to what kind of values and principles do you actually want to apply in your relationship? Then what's this dream woman for mm -hmm. you like? You know, what does she represent to you? Um, and then basically you you take visualizations and you 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 take meditations to really like dive deeper to start to see that woman mm. because if you want someone who's very um intellectual and like reads a lot and then at the same time you don't read at all and you never show up in a in a bookstore or whatever then it's probably also more difficult for you to find that woman because like there are just certain areas that are just not aligned you yeah. know so if you take them through those different steps and processes you gain so much clarity that you can very easily define like, okay, that's a maybe, and that's a clear no. Yeah. And if it's a no, then okay, that's fine. Can still be a loving, beautiful friendship, but it's yeah. nothing that you're going to pursue in terms of like, maybe that's a relationship. And if it's a maybe, you can continue as like, okay. So what happens with women, for example, is every maybe, or it's either a yes or no, yeah. basically. You know? maybe is and then they fall in love immediately. And this guy doesn't even like deserve to get the woman's heart so quickly because mm. he hasn't really shown like that he's like you yeah. know the right one yeah so L let me ask the question by sharing a story i've got a friend um sure you got a friend no 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 no. it's a, it's a, it's a woman she's a very close <laughs> friend of mine and she's one of these people that shares everything with me anyway she's overseas she's been in a relationship for a, a year now um the way she describes it is the guy is really in love with her. She openly says, I'm not in love. I'm not in love with him. Mm -hmm. Right. But she's pursuing wanting to fall in love. And I'm like, mm, okay, it's already 12 months. Like how far are you going to take this? Now she's getting like well into her thirties and there's the fear factor, which I, I assume is the thing that keeps her, you know, trying to pursue that. And he's a lovely guy, nice guy, but she doesn't have the same feeling as he has. Now, in my mind, I'm like, that can't work. Do you do you agree? I 100 percent agree. So do do you, that chemistry that is missing between them? Do you think that that can be evolved, or do you think that has to be there from the start? I don't think it has to be there right from the start. Yeah. Because sometimes you know you you have friends and you have a very beautiful friendship and then it turns into more. So that chemistry that you talk about yep. just becomes a little bit more heightened and a little bit more intimate and like mm. close, right? Um, if you're in a relationship with someone for 12 months and you don't feel like you're in love with this guy, like you're betraying yourself and him, Yeah, you know? Cause one, you don't allow him to, like clearly you're not the right woman for him. Like he thinks you're the right yeah. woman because he's totally in love with you, but then at the same time, you're not reciprocating those kind of feelings. Yeah. So you're not the right woman. For yeah, and what, and what I've said to her is exactly like, she's not, on, she's not honoring herself. Exactly. Now she was somebody who she openly said, I really want to have children. And now she's trying to tell herself that, oh, you know, maybe I, I don't necessarily need children. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm calling you on your bullshit. You 100% want children. Mm. You, need to, you need to honor what's right for you. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fear is coming in because no one wants to be alone. That's a big thing. Yes. And often we try to fill 
the the voids that we have inside with another person mm. and then now there's someone who like totally loves you and like gives you everything that you want and super loving successful kind of guy or whatever um <clears throat> we just settle for that yeah and then at the same time we don't allow us to find the father of our kids yeah that's interesting yeah and look the reason i'm asking the question is also for my own you know i, I like getting <coughs> insights from people because um you know my thing is the example i was recently in a, in a relationship and it was very it was very good from the communication point of view like very conscious communication um very safe space for both of us to talk up to to talk and that's something that i 100 yeah. you know want need has to has to be there like that's a non-negotiable for me now um but we had very different lives and i know that's not necessarily a problem but there was no crossover in our lives like the very things that I was interested in, she was not interest, interested in vice versa. And there was, there was not really any crossover. Like there, it didn't seem to be something that we could create together. It's mm. like we had very different lives. So in the end, I felt that we were not compatible. And to me, compatibility is, is, is very important. Like we have to be moving in the same direction and there has to be something that is weaving us together for us to, to, to take us forward. Even though we might have the same outlooks on life, if if there's not something that we can be doing together, then it's like, well, there's something missing because there's not things for us to look forward to, you know, besides what happens in the bedroom. It's like, but that can't be the only thing, right? Yeah, I agree. That's actually a pretty small part. Yeah. <clears throat> I talked to a friend of mine. He's 60-something. I played poker with him last week. And he said, you know, the older you get, the more it becomes about companionship Yeah. than like the sexual desire. Yeah. So I 100% agree, like, you know, the sexual drive and everything else that we have, that's not the main thing. And yeah. obviously that's something that brings this big spark in the beginning, what's, but what's there beyond that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the other things that you, uh, you talk a lot about, and I've checked out a lot of your content, you talk a lot about confidence. Mm -hmm. um, so why is, that, why is that a thing for you? Why is that, a, 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 why is that your jam? I think confidence is, is it's basically just equals power, you know, and that doesn't mean like power over someone else. It's just power of your own life. So if you know what you stand for, if you know your values, if you know your principles, if you know how to communicate, if someone like throws something at you, mm. you know, you're capable of handling and dealing with it, no matter what it is. Yeah. And I think that's just such an important thing for us as humans to have men and women to just like, get away from this like insecurity and this like negative self-talk that we all, and we all have that. I have mm. that too. You know, it's not like, um, um, you know, we're all the same, but yep. there's a difference, like even realizing, Oh, now I'm engaging into a negative self-talk. How can I get myself out of it? I think that's so important and you apply it in anything. Of course you apply it in business. You apply it in your relationships. You apply it with your family. You, you can apply it in, in every like podcast, like, anywhere and everywhere like confidence and like having this like internal like wisdom and power that you know like no that's my truth mm -hmm. i'm not gonna step away from it because i know that feels right to me it's just it's it's extremely important yeah so yeah. i think when it comes to the topic of confidence a lot of people look for almost like a, a fake confidence right because if somebody's not feeling confident in something it's almost like they feel like they need to change themselves and become something that they're not it's actually the opposite yeah i, I actually i i i think it's the, i i think it's the opposite as well yeah. so 
it's finding whatever that authentic, most authentic version of yourself is. That's the way I, I would think of, think of it. So how do, how do people find that? Like how if people if somebody's not feeling confident, then how can they? I think in any arena of life, business, relationships, whatever it is, there is a way, to, and I think confidence can also come from just being at peace with who you are. That's what it is. Right. You know. So how, how can people create that? Obviously, it's a lot of self-work. Yeah. Um, it's just re-evaluating your life and who you are very much so to figure out like, okay, is this really who I am or am I just like doing things because other people expect me to do those things? You know, are my values and my actions actually aligned um, or is there a gap? And if there's a gap, it's no problem. Mm. Like, you know, it's just like, okay, this is where I'm at. Like the more we realize like, here's, here's the baseline. That's where I'm at right now. Here's where I want to be. What are the steps to get there? You know, mm. it can be that simple. I don't think we have to make it often. I think we try to make it way too complicated and it comes back to like, just come back to the basics, yeah. you know, understanding yourself. If you're an introvert, be an introvert. You know, if you want to be like, because people think being confident is being outspoken it's like, not at all no. no it's like as you said like it's being your authentic most true authentic self yeah like i it's for me it's like you know it's there's a blueprint to your most authentic life mm. and what's occurring to me as you say that is uh, I, I feel like people try to live into an identity that they've created for themselves that and and that's usually an identity that they think people are going to okay. like that they think is the the way that they should show up in the world yeah. which is actually separating themselves from their authentic self. And I think I'm pretty attuned to people who are not authentic. Mm. And I think the reason I am attuned to that is because I have my own experience how when I was in my 20s, I was very confident. But I actually did, it was it's called Landmark Education, not sure if you're familiar with it. And basically I got to see, I got to see for the first time that that was just a mask that I had learned to put on mm. and that wasn't me. And what happened was I, I lost all my confidence. When I, when I got to see that, I was like, oh, that's ugly. And <laughs> the confidence worked for me in many regards. It got me to a certain point. Like it had me make sales. It had me like be confident. In, but it was almost like this <clears throat> confidence that was put on. Like it was – it wasn't a real confidence. And then what happened was – I dropped that ego and it was, it was an arrogant confidence. I was actually very arrogant. Probably still am a little bit, but the, the arrogance was running me, right? That arrogance, I wasn't in control of it. It was in control of me. And when I learned that I can be that, like I can use that arrogance when I need to draw on it, but the difference is I'm in control of it and I'm aware of what I'm doing as opposed to it just running the show and me having no awareness around it. Okay. That gave me a lot of power because it made me realize that th there are elements of that that I like. I can be that. I can tune in. I can tune into that. And now I'm like hypersensitive. Like, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and you can tell in entrepreneurship a lot, you know, like people are really putting on a, a show, like the fake it till you make it kind of thing. And we all go through that, right? It's like you kind of do that a little bit, especially in the start when you're starting out and because you're just figuring shit out. But now I just, I just smell it from a mile away. 
And, you know, this guy I was talking to the other day and he's so outspoken and he's, you know, doing this and he's doing that. I'm just like sniffing it and he's like trying to do these joint ventures with me. I'm like, nah, I can just smell it. It's just so fake. Yeah. I'm usually the, op- the opposite. I, I love, like my approach is more like, um, it's like, how do I say that? Give me a second. It's like, I like to over deliver, but like be very silent. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm trying not to push and like fake it till you make it. I actually like to do the opposite. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And do it. It well, the word that comes to mind is humility. So mm. it's, it's delivering with humility rather than delivering with, Hey, look at me, look what I've done for you. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Look at what I'm doing. Look at me. Yeah. I got called out. The first time that I really called out on my arrogance was I was 15 years. I was like playing junior national team basketball and my head coach just like took me aside and like just ripped me apart. <laughs> like Sasha, like stop being such an arrogant asshole. You know, I thought I'm on top of the world, like top yeah. five of Germany playing internationally. Like, you know, like I could do whatever I want. Like no one could do anything to me. That's how I felt. Yeah. And then he just like slapped me left and right and like completely yeah. put me back on the, on yeah. the mat. So uh, I think the message here is you can use elements of that. You can be you that. You should. Yeah, and you should. Yeah. But you own it. You be fully aware of that rather than it just running you. Yeah. 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 Um, we've been going for close to a, to an hour now, couple, couple more things. Um, I want to understand some of your, your habits, your personal habits as an entrepreneur, because mm-hmm. you're doing multiple things. you mentioned before about how you organize your time so that you're present and, and focused on the project at hand. What are some of your non-negotiables in terms of how you run your life? So what are the things that are, are potentially a non-negotiable that don't distract you, like you keeping yourself on track? Yeah. Right now, and I was playing a lot with my routines and my rhythms to figure out what really works best. Right now, it's like an hour of meditation in the morning. Um, then I have breakfast and I have five hour like work window where mm. I don't do anything else. I just sit and work. Then I do cryo, like basically have a little break, lunch, cryo, and then I go into my second work period. And what time do you wake up? Seven. Yeah. Yeah. So 7.15 to 8.15 meditation, sometimes a little bit longer. So that's quite waking up late compared to a lot of people that we, we would know. I'm a night owl. Yeah. You know, I love working at night and I'm pushing myself not to work so much mm. at night. So by 10, I'm like closing my computer. And if I want to do some more work, it's literally like writing it down on a piece of mm. paper to have like proper sleep. Because a, a lot of, you know, people that are high performers and successful entrepreneurs, they'll be like, yep, every, they get it. everyone gets up at five in the morning and they do this in the morning. And um, <clears throat> do you think that it's different for everybody? Like you everybody's yep. got a different constitution. And like you said, you're going to be more effective in the, in the PM than the AM. I, I tried to wake up four. I tried to wake up at five or six and, you know, and I just realized the most productive for me is not like waking up earlier. Mm. It's more like waking up later. It's definitely compartmentalizing my day, getting very clear. Like what are my time blocks? What I do in those time blocks, agendas, organizing my days, you know, and it's not about like waking up at five. Like I can't properly function at five. Mm. 
you know, it's just too early. I can, I can work until like one, two, three a.m. in the morning. And I get shit done, you know, and other people like after seven, they're like, you can't use them anymore. Yeah. So we have exactly. different circadian rhythms, right? That's what yeah. it's called. And so you just got to find like, what's the right, right path for you. So you got to experiment. Yeah. Experiment. It's but also do, hold you yourself know? accountable as well, because when you're not used to waking up early in the morning, like, I mean, that's a difficult habit to break. So yeah. some people would be just using that as an excuse, like, well, cause I just want to fucking sleep in. Right. So you've got to be honest with yourself about, are you giving that a really good go? Yeah. 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 The only reason I would wake up at five in the morning is to go surfing mm. because I can't surf until six, but I, I have a routine before I do anything in the morning. Yeah. So I get up, I stretch, I drink, you know, mineral, you know, lemon and minerals yeah. and do all this. And I have my routine. So if I'm going to do that before surfing, I've got to get up pretty early. Mm. Otherwise I'll wake up quarter to six, six. Yeah. I mean, the sun here is getting up at 6 a.m. Um, if I was in Australia, I might get up, I might feel like getting up at 5 a.m. because the light is up. That's just the way my, my body works. Yeah. yeah. I used to be a massive night owl. Now I'm like, I, I, I'm very good at limiting myself what I do in at, at nights. Yeah. Um, but I do find myself sometimes wanting to go there, but I, I, I stop myself. I like to follow this like 80, 20 rule. And you know, we all heard about it. It's sometimes I like to work late at night. If you're in the floor and you just like, yeah. you're just in the middle of getting a lot of things done and you're super creative like just go with it mm. but don't make that a habit and like do it every single day then because then you just fall back into your old patterns and you're not really following your routines yeah. and especially if you want to experiment and probably you want to figure out like what really works for you how are you the most productive and efficient you got to follow that for like a few weeks before yeah. you can even tell like does it work or not yeah absolutely yeah yeah um one final question for you but before cool. we do that um just want to make sure people have access to you so um, you're on Instagram. Yes, I'm okay. on Instagram. So we'll make sure everybody's got the link, Sasha cool. Hart. I have a website um, now too. have a website. <laughs> make sure people go check you out and definitely check out Yogi Lab. And Yogi Lab's got great content and really well produced and um, it's fun and educational and you guys do a really good job. So, um, yeah, we'll make sure everybody's got the links to check that out. So, and thank you very much for being on the show and thank you for being willing to go down the rabbit hole. And thank you for being an example for, um, for uh, yeah, somebody who's who's living a life that is you know true true to them true to themselves, and being an example for uh, you know with your business what you're creating there, being an example for um, yeah creating something with that that massive heart in it. So thanks, Phil. Cool. Last question, which I ask everybody, and that is, if you had the one time superpower of mental telepathy which you probably already do and you had the ability to connect a short message with all 7.8 billion or whatever the number is now people on the planet one short beautiful message that you could connect with every soul on the planet what would that message be choose love choose love yeah you know we heard this so many times um you know choose love or if you so it was george michael wasn't it it's also it's um choose love over fear was also i think steve Jobs said it mm. and i just I, remember the t-shirt from george michael mm. <laughs> <laughs> i think you know that's the biggest thing if we have that and you know when i say that i think the most important part is like choose love for yourself because mm. often we don't 
you know, we treat everyone else in like a much better way than we treat ourselves. Yeah. And so, but if we all like coming to a place of like just being authentic and loving ourselves for who we are and like trying to be the best version of ourselves, like there's also no judgment really anymore. Like I can completely accept who you are, how you look, what you do, how you speak, because it doesn't affect me because I know who I am mm. and what I do. Yeah. So choosing love and the things that we do and how we do them, I think is extremely powerful. I like, I like, I try to live from that place. Yeah. Every single day. I think what's powerful about that is, I mean, choose love. It could be brushed over, you know, it could just totally. be, could oh, be yeah. brushed over as a yeah. meme. But I think what's also powerful in that is if you were choosing love, in conversations when there's friction, when there's like fights happening, like if you just stop and say to yourself, uh, I'm going to choose love. Well, then how are you going to respond? How are you going to communicate? Yes. Uh, I think that gives you access to a, to a different perspective, a different, you know, power. So it's, 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 it's more profound than just those two words. Yeah. It could be very, very much interpreted as super fluffy. Yeah. But then at the same time, it has, it has the power to just like make your own life as well as everyone's life around you so much more beautiful. Yep. There you have it, folks. Choose love. Sasha Hart, thank you so much for so. coming on. And uh, we'll make sure everybody's got the, the links to check you out. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time back down the rabbit hole. Yeah.